Hello, and welcome to a fully strapped-in episode of Hollywood Chop Shop. We are your cinema mechanics, Brett Mosier and Travis Santana, and today we'll be reviewing 1987's Over the Top. We'll jump into five points of inspection with In the Middle, Top Prize, Custody Schmustity, Double Elimination, and Sports as a Crutch. But before we do, let's go ahead and check in on the shop. Ah, that's great. That's great. I'm, I'm, I'm glad the kids are enjoying it. We really want to meet the kids halfway and, and, and show them that, that what they can accomplish. Uh, actually, give me a second. Travis just walked in. Let me call you back and uh, we can plan next week's trip. Hey, man, that was uh, that was Harry Bosco with the Boys and Girls Club. The kids are giving our shop rave reviews, dude. Oh, yeah, that's that's great. Well, uh, you knock yourself out and do the next tour. Uh, is something wrong? It. it and there, where's the, the kid Michael? Aren't you supposed to be taking him to the auto auction? Oh, I fucking took him. No wonder he's not allowed on the group field trips. I bet none of the other kids can stand that little shit. The kid's like 11. He can't be that bad. <laughs> Sir, can I ask you a question? Sir, why do you look hungover? Oh, sir, this car is disgusting. Sir, sir, sir. Did you take a shower this morning, sir? <laughs> I, I, I mean, you do look a little rough. So... Where's the kid now? Did you cut the trip short? Nah, nah. He's uh, he's outside driving the Miata in the back lot. He's what? Relax, man. I, it's not like I'm letting him drive a semi. I just need 15 minutes of peace. Just maybe grab a bite to eat. Oh, 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 sh oh shit! Oh, fuck. Uh, hey, Bosco. Yeah, we're, uh, we're gonna need to postpone. Uh, we're, we're gonna have to clean up the shop a little bit. But before we do, let's go ahead and review over the top. I think I got glass in my eye. In an effort to expose her son to a world beyond their mansion, Christina asks her estranged husband, Lincoln Hawk, to take their son on a road trip so they can become closer. Hawk, a professional truck driver and aspiring arm wrestler, reluctantly agrees to pick up his son from a military academy. It's not long before the two start to bond while trying to escape Christina's father as he does everything in his power to prevent the two from becoming closer. Can love prevail, or will Lincoln lose his grip on the situation? Alrighty, Travis, before we get into five points of inspection, I would love to get your quick diagnostic of this movie. Uh, with this being our second Sylvester Stallone entry after Tango and Cash, I was kind of hoping for that same level of enjoyment, that batshit crazy, off-the-wall 80s nonsense. This movie has some of it. But it also feels like there were three or four uh, cooks in the kitchen, so to speak. And it makes for a very incomplete and uneven experience. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I have to agree wholeheartedly with that. I, uh, I felt that this movie was a love letter to competitive arm wrestling. And then they kind of shoehorned in a father-son narrative at some point so that they could actually tell some story beyond just a man arm wrestling. Um, because 
to me, there's a surprising level of detail they go into with all of when we actually do the competitive arm wrestling. Like there's the men wearing the shot of the men wearing platform shoes. There's the women competing. There's the the um, the quick win between Hawk and Bosco. I thought just showing like the strategy of coming in there. And as soon as they saying yes, just immediately trying to hit it. Um, so I, I thought it was weird how the level of detail they put into the arm wrestling portion towards the end of the movie. I mean, to a certain extent, you have there's more backstory on the semifinalists than there are for Christina Hawk. I mean, Christina could have easily just been a voiceover on the phone without actually seeing the actress because she doesn't really add a lot to this movie. And even to the point where, like, because there's so little interaction between either her and Mike or her and Lincoln, when she dies, there's no real weight to that death at all. It's just kind of like, oh, I, I guess she died. Like, it's almost like she didn't need to be in the movie at all, you know? Well, yeah, and Christina Hawk, that was one of the two big questions that I don't know the movie answered. Do we know what her illness was? Uh, some heart surgery. I have, I don't know even like, and even then I thought that was going to be like a weird, like, like revenge of the Sith thing. Like she died of a broken heart, but it's like, it wasn't that it was just, I think they just were lazy and didn't want to couple up with anything. And like, again, to that point, I'm like, well, then why bring it up at all? Just like she could either have died beforehand and Lincoln was going to pick up Mike, or it could have been one of those things where like there needed to be something else that that gave me some con like level of connection with the relationships. Cause even Mike was in military school. So I can't imagine he hung out with her a lot, you know? Yeah. And I guess my question is if it was heart surgery and it was complications from that surgery that killed her, it makes it really odd that Hawk is just taking his time, taking the kid home, you know, setting him up for random arm wrestling matches because I would assume the heart surgery is scheduled, right? That's not just an out-of-nowhere procedure. Well, yeah, because that's the whole point in the beginning of the movies. He says, like, how long is it going to be till I see my mom? And Lincoln is like, oh, it'll be three, you know, it's two days to get there and an extra day for her surgery to be over. So, like, they knew what was going on. So, to your point, like, you would think they knew what the surgery was and the level of complication with that surgery. Yeah, it just it's oddly paced if they're up against the surgery clock, and it it does make Hawk look like an irresponsible bastard. And then my other question, and maybe this will fall into a topic if you want to move into the five points, but why did Lincoln Hawk leave his family? Is that ever established? Nope, just I guess he needed to be on the road, and that was the biggest regret of his life. But yeah, they are the the only comment I remember there being made is at the at the actual competition when he goes up to see the grandfather and he's like, I left because you were splitting us apart. And the grandfather's like, don't like, don't even try and start that. Like you left because you wanted to leave. And it was basically like, to me, that was that throwaway line that like Lincoln just, he needed a life outside. Like he was not someone who could be tethered down and just needed that, you know, that trucker's life of freedom. So he just essentially left. Uh, you know, maybe don't have a kid then. Yeah. Um, so as we, Talk about the kid. I think we can go ahead into custody schmushtady because um, that's where I'd like to talk a little bit about the kid. And I need to get it off early because I'm afraid I'm going to spoil. Travis, do you know the kid's name? In real life? No, the, the, the kid. What is the kid's name? What is his son's name? Michael. Mike. Mike what? Um, 
whatever the grandpa's last name is. Um, he has Hawk. he has his father. No, he has his father's last name. He does. Yes, the kid's name is Mike Hawk. Oh God. <laughs> And I wasn't sure if you picked up on that because I picked up on it very early on the movie when they first arrive at the truck stop and Lincoln is getting out of his truck and I see on the side of the truck is plastered it says Hawks towing or like Hawks handling or something like that and I'm like no fucking way this kid's name is Mike Hawk and I have to look it up and I'm like yeah <laughs> no they named the kid Mike Hawk and I'm just like there I assume that at some point during production they realized what they had done because he's never referred to as Mike Hawk in the movie. But even in the credits, he is referred to as uh oh, he is referred to as Michael Cutler. Which is weird because yeah, okay, I don't know. I still thought his name was Mike Hawk through the whole movie. I I'm ashamed <laughs> to admit, as sophomore as I am, I did not put that together until right this moment when you said because it. Because because the other weird part is Christina's last name is Hawk. So, again, I can only assume it was at some point in production they realized they named the kid Mike Hawk, and they're like, uh, and the credits just make him Mike Cutler. Because <laughs> I'm like, it makes no sense narratively why him, his father and mother would both go by Hawk, but he would take his grandfather's name. Yeah. Reading some of the trivia on this movie, I don't think everybody's heart was in it, so... I guess some screenwriter was just like, watch this. Uh, so with that said, let's talk about Mike Hawk a little bit. Um, he sucks. Can Small we say part. that? <laughs> He's terrible. Uh, here's what I'll say. I thought he was a lot better as the bratty kid, the, you know, sir, can I ask you a question? Then when he's post montage and now all of a sudden he's dressing like Hawk and trying to be like a cool kid. I didn't think he was a great actor either way, but he, he played an asshole better than he did a normal kid. I'll agree with that, but I was just talking in terms of the character of Mike sucks. Like he was real freaking irritating in the song. He went from being insanely irritating because he was just a little shit to being extremely irritating because he was just so naive and just like the, again, almost whiplash with how quickly he turned in favor of his father. And, and what I found hilarious, and I don't know if I've seen this done in another movie for good reason, probably the, the heel to face turn for Mike Hawk. It comes in a music montage where there's clearly some sort of dialogue occurring between father and son, but we don't hear it. We just hear an 80 power ballad. I don't know if the performance was just so bad they didn't feel like anybody could take it seriously. So this was their fix. But did you find that bizarre? Um, I found that bizarre. I also I was going to bring this up in the middle, but we can bring it up now because I have other things to talk about in the, the, the middle. But the montage I thought was super awkward because I actually had to look up some of the lyrics for the song because at a certain point I just heard the words like we love in or something like, oh, I'm going to have to look it up. Let's see, because uh, meet me <laughs> in the middle. Do you know who sung the song? Um. Is it the Sammy Hagar one you're talking about? Uh, it's Kenny Loggins. Oh, I, 80 soundtrack staple. Yep. Uh, so at a certain point, like, I already thought, like, 
Because this is right after the scene where Lincoln is like, you can rest your, your head, you can use my shoulder as a pillow. And you're like, this is fucking weird. Like, your son's like 12 years old. Like, this is, like, this, you're having a conversation like he's like, I don't know, five years old. But at a certain point, the lyrics go, let's see if I can find it. Meet me halfway across the sky. Make this a new beginning of another life. Um, in a lifetime, there is only love. Reaching for the lonely one, we are stronger when we are given love. We put emotions on the line. We know uh, that there are, uh, know that we are the timeless ones. I legitimately thought this was like a love ballad. While him and his son, like, because the, the lyrics, like, we are given love. I'm like, is this about a song about, like, having sex? Like, this is a really fucking weird song to have playing over him and his son working out in the sunrise. Um, upon closer inspection on the lyrics, it's not as egregious and weird. I still think it's a very weird song to be playing over what was happening in that scene. Yeah, and to your point, I guess Stallone, after the fact, regretted not directing the movie. And that was going to be one of his big changes is to change all of this rock ballad music into a classical score. It could have been better, could have been worse, but it at least eliminates the weird erotic loving nature of some of the music yeah absolutely again kenny Loggins, fantastic not the song not even just the tone of the song was weird for what was going on in that and i even had to look i looked up the music video and that's when i realized because the official music video for that song is from over the top they, they use clips from the movie and i'm like okay clearly they knew what they were doing like this was supposed to be intended here but um I want to get into a little bit of Lincoln's strategy to get his son back um, because it, it creates a little bit of a weird legal loophole that I don't think exists in the real world, Travis. And that is apparently if you win an arm wrestling competition, it completely voids out signing over custody of somebody to their grandfather, um, which was something I didn't know until I watched this movie. Were you aware of that? Uh, I'm studying for the bar, and yeah, that's little-known loophole. This one little trick will change the legal game, so yeah, ahead of its time. Yeah, I did not realize that, because, you know, he signs his son away, basically, to his grandfather, and then uh, tells his grandfather he's going to to win his son back from the competition, and um, I don't know about you, but I I just don't think that's how that works. (laughs) Well... Maybe you're right, but here's what I'll say. If you can't get custody of your son back because you abandoned him years ago, the strategy then has to be run your semi into the house where your son lives to show that Mm -hmm. you're a stable dad. Yeah, or even to the point the grandfather trying to prove that, you know, they're like, oh, no lawyer's going to give, you know, rights to you instead of his father. We have to prove that his father can't take care of him. Like, he lives in a fucking semi-truck. Where's he going to go to school? Let's start there. Maybe maybe that's good proof that he can't actually take care of his son. And, like, I just, there are so many little things like that where I'm just like, this makes no sense whatsoever how he plans to win his son back. <laughs> Well, there was a shot that made me laugh out loud when Lincoln Hawk runs his semi in through the gates. He crashes into the front door of the house and knocks one of the doors off the hinges. And I mean, this looks like a 10 foot tall oak door. 
And I'm like, imagine the scenario where your son hears the commotion and runs down to the front door to come out and see what's going on. And then he just takes a giant oak door to the head and dies because of a head injury. I'm like, pretty risky move, Hawk. Let's see if it pays off. Yeah. Or, or let's just take a step back where Lincoln Hawk decides to drive through the front door and maybe someone was getting ready to go outside at that very moment. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you know, you killed the waitstaff. <laughs> uh, yeah, they just... As soon as that happened, I was like, where, how is this movie going to fix the situation? Like, I feel like we just gave everything away to the grandfather. And, and not only that, there's another moment where that happens where, like, they instantly prove, like, Stallone's an idiot. Where, like, Mike is talking about, like, oh, he's such an intellectual. And, and Lincoln's like, oh, well, if you're so smart, why don't you drive my semi-truck? And then Mike immediately is able to drive the semi-truck. And I'm like, you just proved his point. You proved Mike's point that you're not, like, it doesn't take much. Like, I was like, I was very confused by what was going on in that scenario. And I guess they tried to play like, no, man, you're a natural. You're a natural being able to drive a truck just like your old man. I'm like, I don't think that being a natural applies to driving a vehicle of any nature, let alone a semi-truck, you know? I, I think some people are more naturally inclined to drive stick, but you know, I'm, I'm splitting hairs at that point. But again, is it a good decision to let your kid drive a semi on a public road? Like this is one of these movies where like in this movie, the grandpa Cutler is constantly calling Hawk a moron, but it's one of those times where I'm agreeing with the character and the movie, I don't think, wants me to do that. But every time he's like, you're a moron, you're a loser. I'm like, well, he, he does live out of his truck. <laughs> well, he lives out of his truck. And let's it's not a typical rig where there's like the, the cabin that they sleep in. At some point, they actually do sleep in the truck. And the seats don't recline at all. Like he's basically, they're sitting in a 90 degree angle. And they're going to fall asleep in that. I'm like... How, like that has to be the most uncomfortable position on earth to sleep in. No, yeah, well, he, he could use my shoulder. <laughs> it's more comfortable no, that way. No, no, sir, that's that's okay. I'll just use the open window. Um, but that that's mainly uh, the, those are the points I I wanted to talk about Mike and you know the custody of Mike. Did you want to jump into I, I guess you know we can jump into into the middle here maybe talk a little bit more about Lincoln and just you know his mantra of you know no one meets you halfway. Which doesn't really apply to this movie at all, does it? No, especially because I think the first time he says that is after the montage where the lyrics of the song are meet me halfway and he's, you know, interacting with his son. So like immediately contradicts itself right off the bat. And, and I do enjoy how Michael calls out at the beginning, like, Hey, do you really expect to make up for 10 years and two to three days? Right. Well, yes, Michael, you've just described what's going to happen in this movie. <laughs> Foreshadowing. I forgot to mention he does tear off the sleeves of his little military coat to make him a little more rugged. So, you know, let him yeah. drive the truck, tear the sleeves off. Boom. Yeah, Michael and, does a complete 180. And I realize this is 1987 and things are maybe a little different back than they are now. But I'm pretty sure if people saw a child running across the highway after he's escaped, I'm sorry, yes. left a semi truck as a man is chasing him down. 
I feel like a lot of people are going to stop and be like, yo, dude, what's wh who are you and what are you doing? Because this kid looks kidnapped. Yeah, I, I believe you're his father, but let's go ahead and wait for the cops to get here just to confirm. Well, yeah, all he has to do is pull out that picture of him and his mom married and it's proof that they're that's that's his kid. That's all you need. Yeah, and again, how creepy would it be as a 12-year-old to meet your dad for essentially the first time and he's just wallpapered his truck with pictures of you but made no effort to contact you? Yep. What, what, are you, what are you talking about? I wrote to you every day for like, for years, Mike. For years. I've been writing you. And God, what a well-worn trope. They hid <laughs> the letters. Oh, and the reveal later. That was another problem I had. When when Mike is going, A, why do they keep the letters as opposed to burning them? or get? I realize it's a movie, so you have to show that they're discovered. But I'm like, when Mike finds the letters, he's not angry at his mother. First off, he should have found the letters in his grandfather's desk, not his mother. Because this makes his mother look like a real fucking bitch. Um, but secondly... He finds the letters and he just has this like happy boy, naive, shit eating grin on his face. Like he did write me. I'm like, there's a lot in those letters that you probably need to kind of like siphon through. And like you need to kind of process why your mom would not have given you all of those letters and birthday cards. Like there's a lot more going through this than just realizing your dad didn't lie to you about that, even though he did abandon you 10 years ago. You know? Yeah. I mean, does Michael read all of the letters? Because if not, you know, Lincoln could be saying like, hey, I, I can't be a father to you, blah, blah, blah. And then like, does that change your mind on, you know, whether you should have been able to read those at six years old? <laughs> yeah. I have another family. I never wanted you. Please never contact <laughs> yeah. me. Like, yeah, it's like, You're my third favorite son. <laughs> yeah. So to go back into, you know, again, just. Lincoln as as a character, him him teaching his son to to arm wrestle, I thought was interesting. Um, a, I thought it was interesting when he challenges the scruffy weird kid that looks like he could have been out of a Mad Max movie. I think it's funny that they challenged over a pinball table, which clearly has a slant to it. So there's already a clear advantage to one of the opponents there. Uh, and then how quickly Mike is able to just kind of overcome and win. Not only that, I believe Mike uses the over-the-top technique, even though he's never been shown the over-the-top technique, or to even if he's watched it, he has no idea, like, terminology-wise, what that would be. Well, and furthermore, they're on a pinball table. What if somebody's arm gets slammed through the glass? I mean, all I know about Lincoln Hawk is he makes poor parenting decisions, and I guess he goes Super Saiyan if he turns his hat around. Yeah, yeah, that's that old rally cap, you know. You know when I when I turn my hat around, I just I, I become a machine like my, my truck here. What the fuck? <laughs> it's just, what a weird, what a weird fucking thing. Again, that's another part where I I go back to what my my beginning diagnosis like they cared more about the arm wrestling in this movie than the father-son relationship because they actually have like interviews with this like the finalists and you get to know more about it like that the way that is shot is so much different than the rest of the movie entirely and again we get we know more about grizzly than we know about Catherine hawk at that point i mean realistically we know the same amount about Hawk as his competitors, because again, he's trying to rebuild his life 
from what we don't know. Mm-hmm. It's it's weird. You, you you called it a love letter to arm wrestling, which is a phrase I never thought I would hear. <laughs> but the problem with that is, how many people in a general audience want to see a love letter to arm wrestling? Because I'll admit. I enjoyed the little vignettes with the competitors. I thought that part was ahead of its time. Uh, I'm going to get more into that on the sports crutch element. But yeah, like you said, I think they realized halfway through writing, like, we have to make this more than just an arm wrestling movie. And they quickly wrote in the father-son storyline along with the mom because it just does not fit at all. You can tell there's a hard cut when it's time to go into arm wrestling mode. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even again to the, to the finer details of, of showing the fact that Lincoln has that basically his arm wrestling weightlifting thing in the truck. I'm like, that's a, a cool detail to put in this movie where it's like, I don't have to just take for granted that he's an arm wrestler. And I guess I needed that too, because some of the people he goes up against are like six times his size. Like they're monsters. And I'm just like, I have no idea how you would have beat this person in real life. Granted, again, I don't know a lot about arm wrestling or the strategy behind it, but it just seems like, you know, you have to move a lot more muscle when the dude is three times your size. So, but, uh, yeah, I just, Lincoln, Real, real weird guy. Real weird guy. Love suspenders. <laughs> and that weird arm compression thing he puts on after he mm. hurts his arm. What is that exactly? Yeah, I just he had to ice it up, you know. That's a little ice will go a long way. You know, if you're trying to if you're starting to rip something, you just put a little ice on it, swells it up, good to go. Well, also, do you have more about in the middle because I kind of want to talk about double elimination and sports crutch so in relation to the arm wrestling segment. So I want to make sure I don't sell you short. The The last thing I'll say about in the middle with Lincoln, all that, I do think it's funny that we introduce Lincoln. He is late to his son's graduation to pick him up. Not because he was making like a delivery or but like a last minute thing or an act of kindness. It's because he was cleaning his truck. He winds up being late, which again, I think just adds to him being a shitty dad in character. Like he couldn't even bother being on time to his son's graduation. He basically showed up after everything was done to surprise Mike that he was being picked up by his dad, you know, with his clip on tie that somehow matches his suspenders. So. Kudos to him on finding that matching set. Yeah, and I could make the argument, hey, he wanted to show some pride in his truck and clean it up for his kid, but... Be on time. It's Yeah, it's called planning, Hawk. <laughs> so let's go ahead. You know, you, know, you said you want to jump into to double elimination and, and sports as a crutch, so let's go ahead and see what we got with those. So when I say double elimination... Does that trigger a memory of watching this movie for you at all? Um, I mean, it's it's the only dialogue I remember from the movie, you know, because it's said so many fucking times. Like, did they did they just think the audience didn't get what double elimination meant the first <laughs> time they exactly... explained it to us? <laughs> they you you told me this week, Brett, that there are some people who listen to the podcast before watching the movie. Mm -hmm. If you're one of those people, listen up. 
if you still plan to watch over the top after this, make it a drinking game. (laughs) Every time double elimination is mentioned or described, take a shot. You're you're setting them up for failure because Travis, you know as well as I do that that happens all in like the last twenty minutes of the movie, and they're going to. Do- <laughs> they haven't watched it yet, Brett. Let's not spoil. And then, if you're not getting a good buzz going, add one more. Whenever the song "Meet Me Halfway" plays, take a shot. Depending no upon how many you people halfway. you have watching the movie, you could go through a fifth in like the back thirty minutes of the movie. Yeah, I was gonna say like you you say if you're not getting a buzz, they won't because they won't have time for the alcohol to settle by the time they've just continued drinking. Like you're at a risk of alcohol poisoning before you know it if you're gonna play Travis's little game. So I'm okay, yeah, I just want to let for you disclaimer set purposes <laughs> drink responsibly. The, the lawyers told us we had to say that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was um, comical. How I'm like to your point. I was like, I was just like, oh my god! Like, I get it. I understand what double elimination is. And not only that, I'm like, as soon as they put like two shots on Grizzly, I was like, oh, Grizzly's gonna be the one who knocks him out first. And Kate's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, oh, they've put way too many shots on Grizzly for him not to be the person who's gonna not who's gonna knock out you know Hawk once. And I don't from a dramatic storytelling standpoint i don't understand why you would make it double elimination unless you want to give shine to you know grizzly but the only other thing i can think of is maybe the real arm wrestling tournament is double elimination so they're trying to be authentic but you should make a good movie first yeah and yeah the the combination of showing grizzly and repeating that double elimination line it removes any tension from the tournament Mm mm-hmm um, um also if you want to take you know serious note and, and make some don't don't have grizzly drink motor oil because it's just weird well and then he's popping an alka seltzer later because i'm like yeah dude that's gonna upset your stomach a little bit again it's a those funny little shots where i'm like i don't i didn't need to see that he needed to drink alka seltzer because he drank oil but like i'm glad to know that he's gonna be okay you know <laughs> Well, and yeah, I assume product placement was a lot to do with it, but it's weird. A movie about a semi-truck driver, that's the only way we can work in a motor oil ad. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you don't expect it. It sticks out to you. Like, I don't remember what, was it Castrol oil? I have no idea. It could have been anybody. Yeah, hey, I think Valvoline, but I guess us not knowing means it didn't do its job. Mm-hmm. I remember Grizzly, though. It was a beast. But to kind of transition into sports crutch, I, I did some digging. The The guy, Bull, mm-hmm. do you know how big that dude was? I'm going to say he was easily over 400 pounds. Close. So he was 6'4", 380. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's from Jacksonville, Florida, too. Shout out. Uh, I knew you would love that. <laughs> yeah, he now, was a monster. Stallone, at his biggest when he filmed Rambo 2, you know what his measurements were? Uh, 5'8", 260? 5'9", <laughs> 197. Oh, shit. I gave him a lot of, a lot of yeah. credit there. So when you say you don't see how he could beat some of these guys... 
uh, the answer is Brett. He could not. <laughs> no, because he uses over the top, and I assume that somehow pinches the thumb in such a manner that it becomes too uncomfortable to keep going. But that's okay. So well, that's another quick, part. I, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I said that's another part where again it's a love letter to arm wrestling because they intentionally have that match where he slips out so they can then strap them together. Again, it's like, there's I know so much about arm wrestling watching the last 30 minutes of this movie than I thought I would ever know my entire lifetime. But the question is, did you want to know it, Brett? No. No, I didn't, Travis. <laughs> but it's locked in there, so... It's got that grip and strapped in. I don't think it's a stretch to say that this movie got greenlit because, hey, we've got Stallone and this can be the next Rocky, but it'll be arm wrestling instead of boxing. Pretty safe assumption, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, I also thought that perhaps this movie got made because everyone saw Predator and that scene where Arnold and um, what's his face? Like they Carl Weathers, Carl Weathers, they they grab hands. I'm like, oh, that's like they saw that. And they're like, oh, we're going to make a fucking arm wrestling movie. Look how powerful that looks until I realized like, they came out in the same year. And then I was like, no, if they didn't watch Predator and get inspired by Predator. <laughs> yeah. And the problem with that is. I think it's impossible to make arm wrestling a dynamic sport on film. I just don't see how you do it. Yeah, because there's not a lot, again, not knowing strategy other than the fact that you can go over the top. It doesn't seem like, it just seems like it's the strongest person wins. Or, you know, you use your leverage or like, I just, I don't know. I, and maybe that's the part we needed to see more of like, because it still doesn't seem like it makes any sense that Stallone wins that match at the end. Well, it's funny you say that. The original actor chosen for this, do you know who it is? Was it Andre the Giant? It was Don Johnson. Oh, Lord. And uh, I guess the studio wanted more star power, so that's why it went to Stallone. But I'm like, I'm having a tough time believing Rocky and Rambo could win this arm wrestling match, and you want to bring in Sonny Crockett? Yeah, it's like now we're yeah we're gonna get Christian Bale from the Machinist in here. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? We're gonna get one of the kids from Stranger Things. Did you notice the guy that got his arm broke in the arm wrestling montage? I actually didn't. Oh yeah, there's. But a found out that it was real. Yeah, there's a dude like because I think a lot of the arm wrestling shots are they actually went to a competition and filmed it like. Even some of the people that were actors, I, if you had told me like Chris, or Grizzly, Bosco, the Canadian dude, and like Bull were actual arm wrestlers, I would have I would have believed it in a second, and that they were actually interviewing them so that they weren't necessarily acting. It was just them giving kind of their life story. But I'm like, I I would have believed that those they actually just went to an arm wrestling competition and had a couple people go against Stallone. So that they had a decent amount of extras and stuff like that. But yeah, there's there's a shot of a, a dude who actually looks bigger than Stallone, his arm just breaking in the movie. Oh, I'm kind of glad I didn't notice that. Uh, but you're right. They actually, two years before this movie came out, started their own national arm wrestling competition. And what we see in the movie are the finals of that tournament in Vegas. 
So all of the matches you see not with Stallone are real. And then they shot the day after the actual competition and invited the same crowd back to film the scenes with Stallone. Uh, that makes a lot of sense, and that's a level of dedication I did not think this movie had to create their own tournament so that they could film a real tournament two years after greenlighting the movie. Yeah, it, it is weird because that dedication does not cross over to the actual script of the movie. I mean, case in point, again, we don't know why Hawk abandoned his family other than, oh, you know, Grandpa was interfering, so I signed my rights away. Yeah, and and that's the weird part because, like, Hearing that level of dedication, I'd love to know how much of the budget went into that making the competition. I assume they got some of it back from entries and stuff like that. But like, on top of that, there's some gorgeous shots in this movie of like landscapes and the truck driving through like the country and stuff like that. I actually was like amazed. Like there are shots that don't deserve to be in this movie that are in this movie. Like there's a, a beautiful sunset shot. Even the one at night I thought was interesting with the truck illuminated as he's pulling off into the truck stop and it's just that lone light that the truck pulls up to. Um, like I said, there's, there's actually some, even the, the, the shot of him coming through the city I thought was interesting with the way that they framed that. I'm like, there are, are definitely shots in this movie that I don't think deserve to be here. They're better. Yeah. The shots are better than this movie. Yeah, I think that subliminally is why I enjoyed the road trip element much more than I did the quote unquote sports element. Uh, because they know, hey, if we've got beautiful shots, let's just play some some 80s cheese rock and not even bother with dialogue. And as we talk about sports as a crutch, too, I want to make sure that like we're talking about the using sports as a crutch it creates this instant bonding opportunity that isn't necessarily earned in these sports movies where the father and like the father now has something he can instantly show his son so that they can become attached and and, and grow over as opposed to having like a, a real life situation like it's just low-hanging fruit it's like well he's an arm wrestler so he's gonna show you arm wrestling and therefore you're you know you're, he's gonna win you over that and in a lot of these movies it's like there's nothing there's no better way of saying you love your kid than winning a tournament right for some reason that's just like if i win the tournament now mike knows i love him well i mean not only that in this case it awards him michael's custody right so that they can hit the road and mike can never go back to school as a 12 year old <laughs> homeschool there's a lot of learning the on the road there's a lot of learning on the road but yeah, I mean, ultimately, even that shorthand doesn't work in this movie because you can't make teaching a kid arm wrestling all that dynamic. It's like, hey, just do bicep exercises and, uh, you know, I'll you gotta randomly be- approach you gotta believe in yourself. children. At the- if, if you could believe in yourself, you could do it. Oh, yeah, you don't even have to exercise. Dude, could you imagine if they remade this movie, Vin Diesel is the dad? But when I say I mean, Vin Diesel, I mean, I, can. I mean Dominic Toretto, Vin <laughs> Diesel. You gotta have family. I mean, hey, we don't know the plot line for Fast 10 yet. That's true. That's true. Uh, did you have anything else on uh, sports as a crutch, or did you want to move into our final category, top prize? Yeah, I was curious what you meant by top prize. <laughs> I think it's going to be a short category, which is fine, but it had to be brought up. Um. 
Do you remember what the the grand prize for winning the tournament was, Travis? I believe it was a Volvo Semi, wasn't it? It it was. It was. Um, if I was in the competition and I wasn't a truck driver, <laughs> what was I going to do with that Semi? <laughs> Uh, you know, it's funny. I wrote uh, down, are there other divisions of the arm wrestling? Like, is there a CPA division or a school teacher division? Uh, yeah, I just thought it was really weird. It just wasn't a cash prize that he could have bought his truck with, but that he actually, like, wins the truck, like, as if he was on prices Right. So when the grandfather, I thought it, it would have meant a lot more too when the grandfather offers him the truck, which by the way, I, I thought it was funny that even the grandfather takes a dig at him. He's like, I'm going to buy you the best truck there is, but the trailer you gets going to have my name on the back of it. <laughs> it's going to be <laughs> Cutler. So you're always going to carry me around and I never want you to come back. But I think if he had just been winning a cash prize, then maybe like Hawk would have had to think about what he was going to use the money for as opposed to just like, oh, you're going to give me a truck, but I can win a truck of my own. Especially, it makes no sense when he shoots the truck down and then the next scene is Mike talking to Lincoln about like, Lincoln doesn't think he can do it. He's injured. He can't beat Bull. And it's like, then why did you shoot down the truck? Like, so now you're not going to get your son and you won't have anything to live off of. Also, it makes the bet that he plays the $7,000 mean nothing because he won the truck. <laughs> Which, I mean, he also wins the money then. So, I mean, he's really making out pretty nicely. And he won his son back. He gets everything at the end, right? He pulls the hat trick. Which I think is a little over the top. <laughs> oh, well done. <laughs> so that's all. I just had to make sure we brought up the top prize because I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. So I'm sitting there like, and the top prize is the top of the line semi-rig. I'm like, what if is do only truck drivers arm wrestle? Like, I feel like there's a lot more people in this, in this, you know, subculture other than wrestlers yeah like fucking bodybuilders <laughs> well you could bodybuilders they could they'd be able to pull their truck right they'd use it as some kind of you know strength in exercise with legs or something i don't know it's yeah like two hundred fifty thousand dollar weight yeah exactly they pull it along it's great yeah just i thought it was i'm like this is a little too convenient at this point <laughs> yeah again they they were worried about hosting a nationwide arm wrestling tournament uh, so if that concludes five points, I think it's about time to jump into some chop shop. What do you think? I am down. So this week in Chop Shop, I pulled Horror, which was interesting. You pulled Oscar Bait. Who do you want to go first? I think I had the much easier prompt. Uh, but I have no preference, so I'll, I'll let you decide. Alrighty, I'll go first. <laughs> so, uh, All right, so Oscar Bait. <laughs> 
Take it away, sir. Like Take it away. When I do that to you? Yeah, it's fun. Take it away. Take it away. It's yours. No, you know, you want to play this game? Do it. No, seriously, go ahead. <laughs> so uh, my three movies that kind of inspired this is I want you to think of Over the Top meets Dinner for Schmucks meets Mortal Kombat meets a, a song, not a movie. Devil Went Down to Georgia. All right. That was kind of what circled my mind as I made my horror movie here. So, wow. <laughs> so the movie opens with a man nervously inter- entering into an alley with a poorly lit door. As he knocks on the door, it slides open and a pair of glowing eyes gaze out. The man, uh, the man, the, the blah, blah, blah. yeah, like there's going to be a lot of reading with this one. So I apologize, people, because I'm probably going to flub up a couple times here. So the glowing eyes behind the door are asked to see the invitation. And the, the man in the alley slowly lifts his hand and shows a red tattoo in the palm, in his palm. The slider closes in the door and locks and the man enters. Behind the door is a long, dark hallway that opens into a dark room with one bright light shining from the ceiling, illuminating an arm wrestling table. A deep, sinister voice tells the man to approach the table and to assume the position. As he places his elbow on the table, the voice shouts, Begin! And before the man has an opportunity to flinch, his arm is thrown down and we pan to a close-up of his face as he screams in horror. Hard cut to Lincoln Hawk driving his pregnant wife to the doctor in his semi. The couple don't have much, but they have each other. Lincoln says he's always wanted to be a dad, and the two talk about how they'll raise their son. Catherine makes a joke about the arm wrestling weights, uh, and the two have a quick laugh about it. Because of the size of his truck, Lincoln is forced to park his truck on the street corner uh, where two were at a, a crossroads. At the hospital, is revealed that there is a complication with the pregnancy, and it is unlikely that Christina and the baby will survive. Christina refuses to give up the pregnancy despite Lincoln's pleas, causing him to storm off. Outside, he kicks his truck in frustration, putting a large dent in the door. Uh, Lincoln shouts in anger, asking why this has to happen to him, and he'd do anything to save his wife and child. As he says this, a mysterious figure appears out of nowhere and offers him a deal. His wife and child will be spared, but Lincoln will have to make uh, deliveries for him until his debt is paid off. Lincoln says yes without hesitation, and the mysterious figure pulls out a contract from nowhere and an old pen. Confused, Lincoln grabs the pen. With uh, The handle stabs him, and his blood begins to trickle down to the quill. The man says the contract must be signed in blood, and Lincoln signs it. As the man walks away, he tells Lincoln... They'll be in touch. Months go by, and Lincoln is at home with Catherine and the baby. One night, while outside, the mysterious figure shows up and tells Lincoln it's time for him to start working. Lincoln tries to refuse, arguing that he's barely been able to see his son. As Hawk argues with the figure, suddenly Catherine can be heard collapsing in the kitchen, knocking a bunch of dishes off, uh, off the counter, making a huge commotion. Hawk rushes inside and asks what happened, but she says she can't explain it. She just suddenly felt faint and collapsed. Lincoln realizes that he has to leave. He tells Catherine that she should go stay with her father. He gets in a semi and begins to drive when the demon appears in the seat next to him. Hawk asks what he'll be doing, and the demon says, nothing he isn't already doing. We do, uh, we, we start our montage a little early in the movie. So we have an early montage of Hawk delivering goods and arm wrestling fellow truckers, implying that much time has passed. In each defeat, we see the demon growing happier with his smile and laughter cutting between matches and victories. After the last victory of the montage, we see the loser walking out to their truck talking to another driver. 
The other driver asks why he challenged Hawk, and he responds that he made a silly bet with some stranger. The stranger offered him $1,000 if he could beat Hawk, but if he lost, it, he would have to give him his soul. The two men joke, what does that even mean? And they go their separate ways. The challenger walks up to his truck and fumbles his keys when getting in. And here's something close by. He calls out to the other trucker and laughs it off uh, until the sound gets closer and slightly more violent. He says that it's not funny and tries to get into his rig with haste now. As he climbs into the driver's seat, he quickly slams the door and locks it. Sighs, thinking that he's in the clear. Just at that moment, he looks over at the passenger seat, he screams, and now the shot is from outside the truck, and we just see blood splatter across the win windows from the inside. The next morning, Hawk wakes to the sound of police investigating the grisly scene. Hawk notices it's the truck um, of the man that he beat the night before, and begins to question if it's purely coincidence or if the two are related. At the next truck stop, Hawk has to, uh, sits down to have a bite, opening a letter from his wife and son. As he's reading the letter, another trucker comes and asks him about the death of the challenger. The reason I want the letter is I want to establish that unlike in uh, Over the Top, the real movie, he is staying in contact with his wife and son, so there is still some connection and relationship there. He's just not able to be with them, right? Right. Um, as uh, So the trucker makes a joke about Hawk being cursed that everyone he beats seems to end up dead. This is enough for Hawk to question his involvement with the demon and calls off the contract. The demon appears that night and tells Hawk that his deal isn't done, but Hawk says he's had enough and he's through. The next morning, Lincoln receives a call that Catherine had died suddenly in the night and that um, his son's grandfather is trying to gain custody. Hawk summons the demon again with the two having a heated argument. The demon tells Hawk that the contract was for his wife and child and that if he doesn't continue his servitude, his son will be in jeopardy. Hawk offers the demon a new deal. He offers himself as collateral in an arm wrestling match with the, de with the demon. If Hawk wins, he's free and his son is safe. But if he loses, uh, he can... Wait, what about his wife? The wife's already dead. The wife died. He's Wait. just trying to save his son at this point. Wait, I'm sorry. When did, when did the wife die? Uh, when he called it off. So when Hawk calls off the, the agreement because he thinks things are suspicious, um, the demon says that he's not through, and Lincoln says, nah, we're done with this. And the next morning, Lincoln receives a call that Catherine had died suddenly in the night before. Uh, that gotcha, night. okay. Yep. So um, the demon counters and offers Hawk the same deal, but he must compete in a tournament instead of on a one-on-one -on -one match with the demon himself. Hawk agrees with a handshake, and as the handshake is uh, concluded, the invitation is burned into his palm, much like the person at the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. Hawk goes to Catherine's funeral where he sees Mike for the first time in years. Lincoln and Mike have an emotional conversation, but Lincoln says he's going to take care of him uh, for now on. Mike asks why he never came by, and Lincoln says that he had his reasons. Just like the movie, some stupid bullshit thing we're not going to explain. He says that he's got to go and take care of something, but he'll be back in a few days. Hawk arrives at the tournament. He approaches the t uh, and approaches the table similar to the one at the beginning of the movie, but this time there's another man on the other side. The ominous voice tells them to assume the position in the two lock grips. Before the announcer says anything, we cut to the demon with other several mysterious figures, joking about uh, who they've brought. Hawk's demon seems sure of himself and wages a large number of the souls that Hawk has collected against uh, another demon. The match begins, and Hawk easily overpowers his competition. 
After the match, the two men look around in the darkness before the loser is yanked into the darkness, screaming in horror. We do a close-up of Hawk and the horror on his face. Hawk continues through the tournament with a brief intermission before the last match, where he and the demon talk. Hawk asks if he, uh, what he's been doing all of these years, and the demon explains that he's been groomed to enter this uh, tournament of souls. Over the years, the demons have made wagers behind, or the demon has made wagers behind Hawk's back and collected souls from those he's defeated. Now the demon and his peers use those souls as currency for their enjoyment. Hawk is horrified and offers the demon a side wager. If he wins the tournament, the demon must release all the souls in his possession, but if he loses, the demon gets his. The demon laughs and says Hawk already signed his soul away, but he enjoys the sport and he'll humor the request. If Hawk should win the whole tournament, all the souls he's collected as a result of Hawk's arm wrestling will be freed. Hawk enters the room, but doesn't see a challenger. The voice demands Hawk assume the position. Hawk places his elbow on the table and puts his hand um, up and perplexed. The voice shouts begin and the camera goes into a slow motion as Hawk's arm is thrusted towards the table. As we slowly see the hand approach the pad, Hawk pulls his hand back and slips out of the grip. The demon um, shouts in anger, saying Hawk cheated and pulled away. The voice tells Hawk to reassume the position. This time, a magic band forms around Hawk and the wrist of around the, the invisible, invisible opponent. As the strap tightens, a large muscular physique starts to appear from where the strap started, and a large horned demon begins to manifest. Hawk looks in horror at the brutality of the monster across from him. The demon roars in anger, and the voice shouts begin. The two take control... Uh, with Hawk looking like our, the two begin to battle um, with the, the demon taking early control and Hawk looking like he's going to lose again. As his arm moves closer and closer to the bat began or the, the pad, sorry, he begins to transition his hand to perform over the top. With the new leverage, Hawk is able to beat the monster and take victory. The demon appears from the shadows and congratulates Hawk on his victory and tells him that a deal is a deal and sends him on his way. Hawk returns to his son and tells him that he's here uh, for him now and he's not going anywhere. As the two begin to reconnect, we see the grandfather at the window looking down at them uh, from the, you know, the mansion. In anger, he shouts he would do anything to keep his grandson. As soon as he's done saying it, the phone rings and he answers and says hello. From the other side is a familiar voice asking if he'd like to make a deal. Roll credits. Wow. I the devil went down to Georgia angle. That was that broke the story out for me. I like that. You you left out a detail though. I'm sure I did. <laughs> well what's that? It's a small one. Mm-hmm. Did Hawk have his hat on backwards for uh, all the matches? Damn it, I did not I forgot to bring up the hat. You're right. See, because mm. I thought when he pulled out of the grip is when he turned the cap around. I, it should have, and it should have been something like heaven. Like the hat should say something about like divine or heaven or something on it. And when he turns it around, it's like he has the the power of God behind him. Divine motor oils. Mm-hmm. I like it. No, I I would not have been able to pull off the horror. So I, I give you all the kudos in the world for that. Thank you, sir. I'm very interested to hear your Oscar bait. All right. I didn't really do a, a three-movie comparison type deal. Because uh, much like you, I thought 
the glaring hole is trying to figure out a little more of Hawk's backstory as to why he wasn't in his son's life. Um, so here we go. Uh, the movie's still going to open with Hawk picking up Michael from the military school uh, with both Michael and his grandfather objecting. Uh, much like in this movie, Michael will early on ask his father if he still sells drugs. Uh, Hawk will again vaguely <laughs> deny, which we didn't talk about in the movie, but what a <laughs> random throw in line. Yeah. Like, I guess that's not going anywhere. No, I didn't do that. What your grandfather told you is a lie. Or the fact that Stallone was, our Hawk was able to immediately realize that the the rednecks trying to kidnap Mike were somehow atta- attached to his wealthy uh, father-in-law, estranged yeah, father-in-law. The yeah, <laughs> you'd ask your grandfather that, like, why? How did you make that connection? <laughs> uh, so much like in the movie, through montage, Hawk and Michael will bond. You know, Hawk will show him how to drive the semi. He'll pull the sleeves off of his coat. Um, and much like in Over the Top, Michael's mother is going to be sick with an undisclosed illness. But she's not scheduled for any sort of surgery. She's just kind of slowly wasting away. And while they're on the road, before they can make it home, Christine is going to pass away. Oh, is her name and Christina? Gonna be- I kept calling her Catherine. Fuck, it is Christina. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, well, oops. <laughs> All good. Um, so he's going to be screaming at Hawk about uh, how his mother was never the same once Hawk disappeared. Uh, we're going to have one of those monologues. I'm sure you're familiar, Brett, where a character has memories of being a baby. <laughs> yeah. You know, Michael's basically going to remember how vibrant his mother was in the six months he was alive before Hawk left. Uh-huh. Um, and Michael will coldly tell Hawk that the fact that Hawk came back is probably what finally killed his mother. Uh, Michael will praise his grandfather and curse his father. Uh, despite all this, Hawk doesn't overreact. He calmly tells Michael that life, including his family, is more complicated than it seems. We're going to have the two falling asleep in the truck. Michael is going to be using the open window, as you said. He's not going to lean on his father after the death of his mother and Hawk's going to have trouble sleeping and it's going to flash back to eight years ago. And the flashback's going to tell us that when Michael was a baby, Hawk and Christina were having trouble making ends meet. And, uh, Cutler has cut off his daughter because he never approved of Hawk. Uh, but now that his grandson's been born, he offers Hawk a job driving for Cutler trucking as both an olive branch and a way to support his family. So Hawk accepts the job offer, and uh, we'll have a couple montages of him delivering. And on his fifth run, he's going to be pulled over by Highway Patrol. And the Highway Patrol ask him to step out of the vehicle so they can perform a search. Hawk's like, hey, go ahead. I don't have anything. The Highway Patrol, as if knowing exactly where it was, find a secret container. And in that secret container is a brick of heroin. A stunned hawk can't offer any explanation and is arrested. Now, did the cop just randomly shoot it? No, this is not this is not Tango and Cash. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Okay, you're right. You're right. Different Stallone movie. Okay. Yep. Yeah. This is this is Oscar bait. <laughs> so in jail, 
Hawk is visited by Cutler and his attorney. Cutler talks down to Hawk, telling him he can't believe Hawk used this golden opportunity to run drugs. He tells Hawk that he'll do all he can to help the case, but maybe being a father just isn't for him. Hawk is sentenced to eight years in prison for transporting heroin across state lines for possible distribution, but the eight years is relatively light, so Cutler did help him out. And we're going to cut back to present day with Hawk arriving with Michael at Cutler's mansion. The two enter the mansion, and, and Cutler asks to speak with Hawk privately. And he's got another offer. He tells Hawk that he's free to try and raise Michael on his own without Cutler's assistance, but what kind of life can Hawk provide as a convicted felon and drug trafficker? Cutler offers Hawk $500,000 and the right for him to drive for Cutler again, since no other trucking company would hire Hawk. All Hawk has to do is just walk away from Michael. Hawk angrily tells Cutler that he knows Cutler planted the drugs a decade ago, all because Cutler couldn't stand that his daughter was living her own life. Cutler hatefully replies, oh yes, my daughter thought she knew best too. Do you know what kind of parent she became when you went away? She couldn't deal with it. She uh, needed a little help that only my product could provide. She shot that shit in her arm and became a junkie. I raised Michael. Oh, Mike Michael. I raised Michael, not you, and certainly not my strung out daughter. Hawk looks on disgusted as. Cutler continues his rant, but neither men realize that Michael is outside of the office hearing the whole exchange. A junkie? Where'd she get the shit, father of the year? <laughs> That's right, Hawk. I gave her what she needed to feel better, and after a time, I tried to intervene, but you know my daughter refused to listen. Lo and behold, she got a dirty needle. Cutler flippantly shrugs. So I don't know if I did a good enough job there, but basically that reveals that Christina got HIV through uh, a needle, and that's ultimately the mysterious illness that she had. I like so it. So basically her own father kind of killed her. Uh-huh. No, I like it. So, um, so Hawk lunges for Cutler, but is grabbed by security. And they rough him up. And they're holding him in front of Cutler, and he says... Take the money, Hawk, and call me if you need a job. Cutler then tells security, get Mr. Hawk his briefcase and show him towards the exit. So Hawk's going to walk away $500,000 richer, and he's going to go to the arm wrestling championship, and he's going to bet all 500000 on himself. Holy shit, okay. 20 to 1 odds? So we cut back, what's that? 20 to 1 odds? 20 to 1 odds. I don't know that math, so you'll have to tell me. Uh, we cut back to Michael at the mansion. Uh, he's returning in a limousine from his mother's funeral. Cutler comforts the boy, telling him his mother left him a gift for when the time came. It's waiting up in his room. Michael goes upstairs to find a gift wrapped present. He opens it. And finds that it's a 132 scale model of the semi truck, the same kind his father drives. 
Michael opens up the model and along with the pieces, he finds a letter from his mother. Michael begins to read it and we transition into voiceover from his mom reading the letter. Uh, the voiceover continues as we see action from Hawk in the tournament and we cut back to Michael. He's stealing one of the semis from Cutler's compound under the cover of night. So I wanted to at least pay off the fact that the kid knows how to drive a semi. Mm -hmm. uh, I won't get into the specifics of the letter, but I'm thinking uh, kind of the letter at the end of the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah, that kind of vibe. Uh, Michael's mother confirms the truth about Cutler and apologizes for giving into drugs and not being the mother he deserved. She tells him that Hawk is a good man and to not let his grandfather control him. And as this letter's being read, we're going to cut back and forth between Michael on his journey to Vegas, Hawk arm wrestling, and Hawk's interviews, uh, like they did with all the other arm wrestlers, talking about what it means to him to be a father and what he'll do if he wins the money. So at this point, I want to take a pause because I know this is supposed to be Oscar bait. And if it truly were, we would probably need to transition into like some sort of legal battle that Hawk uses the, his winnings to fight. But at the end of the day, even this, if it's Oscar bait, it is still motherfucking over the top. Yeah. So what we're going to do instead is there's no double elimination. Hawk wins the final in dramatic fashion. And he's going to be led outside to accept his uh, brand new million. semi. Oh, there you say his ten million dollars. Is that what he would have won? Ten million dollars, five hundred thousand dollars on twenty to one odds would have been ten million dollars. Okay, well he'll cash those chips in after he gets the keys <laughs> to the truck because I need him to be outside. Is the only reason. Uh, <laughs> so as he's being interviewed in front of his brand new semi, Michael's going to come speeding into the parking lot in his stolen semi. And Cutler's uh, goons, his henchmen, are going to be given chase in a car. And as Michael maneuvers to avoid them, the semi's going to roll over and slide into a concrete barrier. The impact breaks open a secret compartment in the truck, spilling out bricks of heroin. And this is going to occur on national TV with Cutler's trucking business on the side of the truck. And this is going to spark an investigation to reveal that he's been smuggling heroin at a large rate, which is what allowed him to build his trucking empire. Hawk's name is cleared. And uh, for some reason, they don't confiscate his $10 million. And uh, they're going to start their trucking company. They're also going to start the Christina Hawk Rehab Center. And at the end of the movie, they're going to be placing flowers at Christina's grave as credits roll. I like it. I uh, I thought you were going to either have <laughs> the uh, Mike was going to run into the new semi and destroy it. Wait, Mike who? Mike Mike Hawk was going to run okay, into the, gotcha. yeah. Mike Hawk was going to run into the semi and break it. Um, or I thought he was going to wind up with some kind of injury based off of the the accident. He still clears his father's name, but at what you know, what cost to himself? 
Ooh, that might be a little yeah, maybe, over the if top. We're, if though. we're going Oscar bait, maybe yeah, <laughs> it ends with him visiting his son in the hospital, letting him know what he plans to do with the movie or the mm. money. But yeah, primarily, I, I wanted to give an Oscar Beatty reason on why Stallone abandoned his kids, and and Robert Loja, the grandfather played a drug kingpin in Scarface. So I don't think it's a stretch to have Cutler be an undercover drug runner. No, I like it. I think it makes a lot of sense. I yeah, dig it. That was, uh, that was my chop shop for the week. I dig it. I dig it. Do uh, you want to jump into some blue book now? Yes, sir. Now, Blue Book's going to be a little weird this week, because um, I'll tell you this. I know the movie was released in multiple countries. I don't know if it was released theatrically, but I know that it it was at least like on video in other countries, and I'll get to that in a minute. But um, I'll go ahead and let you know, the gross U.S. and the gross worldwide are the same number, which I thought was weird. Again, once we get to tag and title, I'll, it'll make probably a little bit more sense. But so I'm going to do... The retail value of the budget of this movie estimated was $25 million. You know, about half of what Hawk would have won from his uh, arm wrestling competition there. <laughs> um, do you want to guess how much it made? I guess you could say U.S., Canada, and worldwide. You said the budget was 25 Budget was 25 uh, I'll say moderate success. 46 million. 16. Oh! Um, I knew that this movie couldn't have done well because when I went to find it, to stream it, I could only find it on YouTube. And YouTube, it wasn't like someone uploaded it and it was a bootleg version. Apparently, YouTube just has the rights to it. And I was like, oh, that's not a good sign oh. when YouTube owns the rights to your movie, or, you know, streaming rights to your movie. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't even rent it from Amazon. I could buy it from Amazon, but I could not rent it from Amazon. I had to watch it on YouTube. <laughs> well, Brad, it's funny. I got your text about it being available on YouTube shortly after I'd completed my uh, viewing on <laughs> Amazon Prime for ten dollars. <laughs> so I now own this movie digitally. I'm sure you'll want to. I'll wait till the end to find out your final verdict, but I'm sure you're going to go back and watch this a lot of times. So, this is the fun part. So, as we know, the next segment is tag and title. But what you don't know is part of the reason I called this tag and title was tag was the tagline, and I always thought it would be fun if this if movies had alternate titles as well right and up to this point if anything did have an alternate title it was very close to what the original was and it wasn't worth bringing up but travis we have hollywood chop shop history here because i finally have a movie that has alternate titles worth talking about so i'm gonna give multiple you, i'm gonna give you the alternate titles first and then we'll get into the traditional tag you know tagline segment here so you're not gonna have to guess anything but so this movie had an alternate U.S. title, and then I want to give you some of the titles from other countries, all right? The alternate okay. title in the U.S. was Meet Me Halfway. 
that was, that was going to be my guess, literally. Yeah, that that was an alternate title for this movie. Now we're going to go into, and this is what I'm saying, I know it hit foreign markets. I don't know if it was just they never went to theater, judging because of the blue book, this, this doesn't match up. But in Peru, this movie was called El Luchador, which I'm not sure if you know in Spanish. The just wrestler? The, yeah, the fighter. Uh, in Mexico, the movie was just called Hawk. In Brazil, it was called Falcon, the champion of champions. So they changed the bird for that uh, audience. Um, and my personal favorite, and I actually had to translate these, all right? Um, my personal favorite was Germany. The name of the movie was Over the Top, My Daddy Beats Them All. <laughs> Um, they should have gone with that in america right i think it would have done a little bit better had they done that uh so yes i just thought this is the first time i've actually been able to bring in alternate titles for a movie but i did think that they it was interesting how this movie was basically redone for different and i assume like maybe hawks aren't or yeah hawk isn't indigenous to brazil so they changed it to falcon so that it would make more sense when they translated it to portuguese i i don't know I'm still blown away that this movie could be released in so many different countries and only make $11 million. Mm-hmm. So with that level of disappointment, let's go ahead and jump into tag and title. So Travis, I am going to give you three taglines. One of them is the official tagline from this movie. One is a tagline from a movie I found adjacent. And one is a tagline I made up myself. <laughs> What I need you to do is tell me what the official tagline for the movie is. All right. I like how you're already laughing at something that you've written. It's the story of a father who couldn't be closer to driving his son crazy. Mike Hawk has gotten soft. His dad is determined <laughs> to change that. <laughs> Some, I started laughing before I could listen to the whole tagline. What is it? Uh, Mike Hawk has gotten soft. His dad is determined to change that. And some fight for money, some fight for glory. He's fighting for his son's love. Those are your three titles. Or tag, sorry, taglines. Can you please tell me which tagline belongs to Over the Top? <laughs> I wish I hadn't researched the kid's actual name because it ruins my tagline. Well, let's face it. We already knew that one was mine. I didn't ruin shit, but. Oh, I'm crying. Um, oh. I'm going to say <laughs> uh, the last one is the official tagline. He's fighting for his son's love. Okay, so you think some fight for money, some fight for glory. He fights for his son's love is the official tagline for this movie. I, I do, yes. Okay. You are correct. I'm going to... Okay, all right. Do you want to guess well, I think what I'm going to nail this is? one then. Uh, it's the story of a father who couldn't be closer to driving his son crazy. Do you want to guess what that's from? I want to guess Dutch, 
but I think it was his stepdad in Dutch. He wasn't his actual dad, so I'm not sure. Um, that is from the 1995 classic, A Goofy Movie. Ah, another, ooh, good, good adjacent yeah. choice. Yeah, another another road trip between a, a, a son and father. Um, and then I, I'm sure that this is tough for you, but Mike Hawk has gotten soft. His dad <laughs> is determined to change that. Was in fact my tagline. I did write that one. Oh, don't include this in the podcast, Brett, but I think you need to make a, a Mike Hawk getting soft t-shirt. <laughs> oh. righty. I mean, I knew that recording this podcast would be more fun than watching the actual movie, but uh, you took it from an A to an A+. I appreciate it, sir. With tag and title concluded, I would love to get into a time capsule. Do you have a time capsule for us this week? Funny enough, I do. It's about uh, an actor named David Mendenhall. Do you know who he played in the movie? Um, is that Michael Cutler? I mean, Mike Hawk? Uh, yes, David uh, Mendenhall plays Mike Hawk. Um, did you look into his career post this movie at all? Uh, I have no idea. Um, I, I think Hollywood agreed that he wasn't the strongest actor. Uh, he did a movie called Going Bananas. Uh, he was an additional voice on a pup named Scooby-Doo. Uh, he was an uncredited clerk on Roseanne. Uh, he was something called The Secret of Ice Cave. Um, but most importantly, and I, I guess this is the crux of what I wanted to ask you about for this time capsule. He actually won two awards for Over the Top. Was one of them a Razzie? Uh, yeah, Razzie for Worst Supporting Actor, he won, <laughs> and uh, Worst New Star. Wow. Um, how do you feel about kids being nominated and winning Razzies? I think it's a little bit cruel. Uh, I agree. I think it's, and I'd be interested, how, because have the Razzies been around that long, or is it, have they started going in like retroactively doing years? Oh, that's a great question. If it's retroactive, I retract my statement. Because I don't, for some reason, I didn't, I thought the Razzies started in like the late 90s or early 2000s. Um, yeah, maybe it's just something they do for content now to go back and do historical years. Nin no, 1981 is when it started. So at that oh, point, shit. yeah, so they... They would have, yeah, I would agree. I think doing it to children is, is harsh. Like, and maybe again, we talked, kind of joked about it, but like a different day and age in the, in the eighties and stuff like that. But I, I, I would be interested to see if they still did that today where you would award a child a Razzie. Yeah. I just said, you know, kids getting bullied at school is one thing that can change them. But uh, yeah, sweeping the Razzies, probably not the best for a young person's confidence. Yeah, or, or just mental health, period. <laughs> yeah. It's, but it's, it, yeah. It, it looks like he transitioned into a more behind-the-camera role in Hollywood. Uh, he's worked in the legal departments of several entertainment companies, including NBC Universal and uh, Buena Vista Home Entertainment. So uh, he found success, just not in acting. Mm -hmm. 
Well, you know, glad to see he was able to stay with the industry if if he truly did love it. So, yeah, I, something tells me he'll never live down the role of Mike Hawk. Yeah, no, I mean, Mike Hawk, Mike Hawk is kind of hard to shake, you know. <laughs> Needs two hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that was my time capsule. It's a hard role to handle. Alrighty, sir. Well, let's go ahead and, and and wrap this baby up. What uh, what were your your final thoughts of Over the Top? I wasted ten dollars. <laughs> um, but seriously, I had fond memories of this movie as a kid. But, but man, you really nailed it. Unless you're dying to see a love letter to arm wrestling absolutely skip this because just off the top of my head rocky two three four tango and cash commando roadhouse dutch all of these movies take elements of this movie and do them way better and frankly other than some well shot scenic views this is like Lifetime slash Disney Channel original quality with Sylvester Stallone tacked in. So I would say skip this. Yeah, I, I don't think it's really worth watching either. I um, I will say, I wonder if Stallone took this role because he was trying to show a softer side. Because the role of Lincoln Hawk being kind of like the, you know, being thrust back into to fatherhood and, and, and parenting, I think is interesting. And even the way Stallone tried to play Lincoln Hawk was a much soft, like, yes, he's an arm wrestler and he's, you know, he's jacked and got these giant, you know, biceps and forearms and all that. But at the end of the day, like he's not a overly aggressive character. Like I think there's two moments where like he shows real aggression and that's around the grandfather when he rams the mansion. And then when he, shoves the security guard through the window but outside of that he's trying to be kind of a loving caring father figure and i assume that had to be why stallone was willing to attach himself to the movie is because he was trying to give himself uh, some range well it's funny i stumbled into the trivia and there's a direct quote from stallone saying he did not want to do the movie they just kept increasing his offer until finally he couldn't say no. And furthermore said he just assumed nobody would see it. Wow. Which maybe that was hindsight is 2020. And he said that after it was a flop, but he does not speak highly of this movie. I mean, it is pretty shitty. So. Pretty, pretty shitty. It's, I do wonder if the... If they had just focused, if they had been allowed to just make an arm wrestling movie, how much it would have changed. Because I do think that the arm wrestling was well done and some of the competitive nature of that. It is just the all of the father son moments feel so awkward and out of place. There's no chemistry at all between Lincoln and Mike. No, especially when they have have been reconciled and everything's going well like at least the when the kid's being a piece of shit 
you know, Hawk can kind of play exasperated a little bit. Once they become chummy and like the kids giving him a pep talk, I'm like, this is so awkward. Well, because the movie jumps the shark um, once Lincoln rams the, the mansion, because that's when all of a sudden he winds up in jail, but they drop the charges if he'll release custody, which at that point, why not just leave him in jail? You've, you're going to get custody of the kid. They're not going to take Lincoln away from you and, and put the you know bike in jail with his dad. Like, I don't understand why you needed to let him go if there was some guilt or something like that. But see, the other side of that, then you had the almost comical, like, Mike getting from the mansion to, what is it, Vegas, where he, I guess, hides in an airplane baggage compartment because he comes up the carousel where it's like, this is suddenly, like, this wacky comedy way of him getting to his dad. And, like, it, it just, it completely changes. And then that is basically spliced between actual footage of a real arm wrestling competition. Yeah, again, to to plan two years ahead for a tournament, but then to kind of yada, 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 the back third of the movie, as far as the father and son stuff, it just amazes me that on some of these 80s movies that the edit that gets released is the edit that gets released. Like, is there nobody saying like, hey, this story drops off and goes nowhere, or we don't answer any of these questions? Mm Mm-hmm. But it's like, yeah, now, you know, the arm wrestling looks great. Release the movie. Yeah, I I can't disagree. So. All right. Uh, Yeah, we uh, conclude our trilogy next week with uh, He Got Game starring Denzel Washington. Yep. Then we'll wrap it up. And then I think we're going into some holiday specials, maybe. I believe so. It's that time of year. All righty, y'all. We appreciate you coming and hanging out with us for a little while, and we uh, we look forward to seeing you again next week with He Got Game. And I just want to say I drive the truck, I break arms, and podcast. It's what I love to do, and it's what I do best. Being number one is everything. There's no second place. Second sucks. Bye. Oh, oh, sh- oh shit! Oh shit! Oh fuck! Ring, 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 ring. <laughs> I think that's good. As long as uh, you can cut out our our mouth made sound effects, I'd say we'd be good. Alrighty, and- I'm gonna shuffle my papers real quick. Sorry. <laughs> Son of a bitch. All okay, right, I'm and, good. You, you cut that part out. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm, yeah. Mm-hmm. God, let me just pause real quick. I decided to be nice and not lock my cat up, and she just took a shit, and it is. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat>